Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. First up tonight on Love and Respect, part two of my conversation with singer, songwriter, and producer Jack White. T-Bone Burnett uh, said something to me one time which I thought was pretty interesting about the music business. He said, music started to not be as good when record labels tried to make music for people who don't like music. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, mental health advocate and founder of the Confess Project, Lorenzo Lewis. Sometimes a barber may be cutting somebody here and they're like, hey, I lost somebody in my family, right? You know, they going through a hard time, they lost their job. We're teaching them how to engage certain language and words that can help support their client long-term, get them the help that they need. Jack White and Lorenzo Lewis coming up right now. You actually do, like, like DJ Cutmaster Swift, Outcast DJ. He's also a carpenter. Okay. You are actually doing the work. You're mm -hmm. doing the upholstery, doing the carpentry. Mm -hmm. Does this, like Maya Angelou said, taking your conscious mind and giving it something to do, does it free your subconscious mind up to be more creative? Have you found it in the two I, records? That's great she said that. I, I, I like that phrase a lot. Yeah. And, and um, yes, because nothing inspires me more about music than when I'm working on something else. I mean, when I was working at a upholstery shop when I was younger, all I did all day long was think about what am I gonna do when I get home, I get on my four track, and, and this drum beat I'm thinking about right now. And you keep going and it keeps happening. And there was a particular experience where a couple years I had to work at this large shop and they only listened to easy listening music all day long. And it made me want to blow my brains out by the end of the day. And I had the bold enough when the boss would leave to go to lunch, I would go and change the channel. One time I forgot to change it back before he came back and all hell broke loose. But yeah, I mean, there's certain songs where now I hear them on the radio and I have to turn it off because it takes me right back to that song. Um, so I would like rather listen to the silence. That, you know what that brings up in this, con uh, this um, thought was uh, T-Bone Burnett uh, said something to me one time which I thought was pretty interesting about the music business. He said, music started to not be as good when record labels tried to make music for people who don't like music. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know what I mean? There was yeah, a time where, exactly like, no, you're you're in a, we're not putting, the record label's not putting out this, we're in a big band, or a Glenn Miller record, like, no, no, these guys rehearsed, there's an arranger, this, this all got pushed into a thing. It, yeah. was, uh, it, was, it had to be, you know, for, you were a dedicated jazz musician, yeah. and uh, this, it got into this zone. It was a system, yeah. and yes, yeah, some people got excluded by that system, and yeah. that was a shame, but at the same time, 
it got to the zone where this is for if you love music. This is for you. That's this is this you is know for you. yeah. It wasn't trying to like oh by the way we're also trying to sell you this. It, it wasn't a jingle, which it, it, at different times yeah. music has become a jingle to sure, sell yeah. something. Yeah. It was the commercial until the commercials came on radio, sure, yeah, yeah. and then you got like you can tell this was made for people who passionately care about whatever they're listening to. A beautiful side note to this too, you I, you might find interesting, and it was um, about the furniture companies who were trying to sell uh, record player cabinets to southern, rural southern people. Okay. And that was the birth of why they recorded so many blues musicians like Robert Johnson, really? Charlie Patton, Sun House. They wanted to sell these record players to rural people. So the music was What the do thing. these people listen to? These guys. Blue. All right, we'll record these guys. And that's really an interesting story. But I think there's something even more interesting there that someone needs to do a documentary about and, and kind of, I don't know, explore a little bit more, which is they didn't censor those guys. At all. They recorded them. Yeah. But I'm doing this song, uh, yeah. whatever, yeah, whatever. Yeah, this is what the, the music that these guys, we want to sell yeah. records comes to. Go ahead. They didn't say, oh, you can't say that. Yeah. Or don't talk about that. Isn't that bizarre? We should partner on that. I mean, you put that, a microphone in front of, of <laughs> and let them speak to the whole world, and yeah. they didn't censor those guys. And the, the tales that they told were, I, I, people who, criti who are often critical of rap and rock, because we're the same age. So people have been criticizing the music we like at least since 87. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. When, you, when you think about it, like the, it was working class. It was, it was salt of the earth. It was my woman is not perfect. She, mm -hmm. she might be running around on me. I'm definitely running around on her. Whiskey is, is often the elixir I use. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't, there wasn't a, a want to make it clean or to make it, to, no. to make it acceptable. And, yeah. and later, with, like we know Motown did. Motown sold acceptability and, yeah. and, and still great records, but man, prior to that, or if you look at a, even a Stax Records, there, were, there wasn't censoring. That was oh. an encouraging of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of for as bitter, as salty as it could be almost. Yeah, because when it came back uh, harder in the hip-hop genre, it was sort of like, this is not the first time this has happened. <laughs> exactly, yeah, my no. grandfather would tell me that. He'd often, I, I think NWA was, you know, he, my grandmother yeah. didn't, she didn't want me to listen to NWA. My grandfather was walking and telling me, she had like she ain't never heard Staggerly. And I'm, I'm just like, who's Stagger Lee? And I kind of, you know, there's no Google at the time. I got to go look up right, Stagger Lee. And I'm just like, and I rest just like. And then you listen, you actually listen to the B.B. King songs. I'm just like, grandma, you was kind of lit. I, um, you've got two albums in, in, in six months. My Angel said this quote, and I'm going to read this one too, while we're quoting Maya today. A work of art is never finished, merely abandoned. <laughs> Do you agree? Man, that's a really good question. I heard another variation on that as, like, as far as music business well, was uh, records aren't finished, they're just turned in yeah, to the record. I could see that. Um, that's a little variation on that. I like, <laughs> I like this one better. Um, I don't know if that applies to me or not. I don't have to meditate on that for a second because uh, I feel like I complete you do. the thing, but I don't complete it to a perfectionist minutia. Gotcha. Getting OCD, I, I complete it to like, yeah, Feels okay, good. that's right, let's yeah. walk away. And I, I was taught earlier on that that's the hardest thing to do as an artist, that if you're a painter, you can just keep painting and painting and painting. Yes. The, the artist is who, the person who knows when to stop. Yes. So I'm glad I learned that when I was a teenager because that, that helped me, especially in the White Stripes where it was so simplistic, it was definitely needed that I, I needed to stop. Yeah. You know, because I could have went in and, and overdubbed and overdubbed yeah. and, you know, 16 guitars or something. That would have lost the beauty of what we were trying to accomplish, so I'm glad I had a rain on myself then. There's a beauty in simplicity. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and there is a, um, 
I still have oh. it now, even when if I, if I put 10 guitars on a song, I still have a, a rain on it. Yeah. That it's not like, oh, just whatever, whatever, I'll just do whatever. I, uh, me personally, I, I still rein myself in. And there is a place where you say enough. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. what I found is that I'll, I'll, you'll keep coming back to a record, you'll keep hearing things, and yeah. at some point you just got to say it's enough. I didn't even know that, to, that this was going to happen while I was working on these songs. I kind of thought, oh, I'm, I'm writing a lot of songs right now, but yeah. I'm assuming this will kind of come down into one record. And what ended up happening was there was a lot of soft songs and a lot of like heavy songs, yes. and I would just keep kind of like, um, what was it, like, uh, I, would, I would take a, a song from this playlist on my laptop and try to put it on here. A quiet ballad and put in like ah it's not working it's just too heavy it's it's not flowing like you, usually you, they have eclectic records that that go like this yes I, I was gonna say that, that you start off kicking ass on take me back <laughs> like is was that on purpose to yeah come in guns blazing and um, talk you, about that well what was uh, also sculpted that was there's I did two versions of that song I did this really heavy you know recorded on Pro Tools mm -hmm. uh, you know tight direct into the board, you know, a recording of this song, very heavy, and then I did a, a very 1930s Django Reinhardt jazz live in the room recorded through 1930s Mike Priest version of the same song, and that's the last song on the second album. So it's sort of bookended, you know, we have the same song done in two different, totally different styles. Yes. And um, I like this idea a lot. I mean, even if people don't like the song, I, I would encourage them to just try to check out the idea that you can, it's not... The style you presented in whatever, it, yeah. that's, just, that's just sort of like, you know, almost like a trick or a gimmick or something to draw people in, but it's really the song. What is the song yeah. underneath all that? You can do it uh, a flamenco style, you can do it jazz style, you can do it punk, whatever, but uh, what's the song inside? You like hip hop. Yes. Rock and hip hop, don't, that people don't understand how much the musicians really like and are fans of each other. Like mm. we had Josh Homme on our, our last record. We mm. had when it got Marvel Staples um, on, on our last record with yeah. One of the Jewels. And we're a, a rap band, but we play as many rock festivals as we do rap. Yeah. Because to me, you know, I grew up listening, I was listening to NWA and Metallica at the exact same time. Yeah. You know, I was listening yeah. to Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath at the exact same time. My mom had me listening to Isaac Hayes yeah. and Curtis Mayfield because my great. dad listened to more That's rock amazing. music. You worked with Q-Tip, who yeah. is one of the most amazing hip-hop producers and rhymers ever. What mm. was that like? You put him on the record, so I'm going to encourage people from the hip-hop community, if you ain't heard Tip going in a while, he is, Q-Tip is definitely going. Mm. Are you homies? Did you, did, were you just a fan? How long have you been a fan of hip-hop? What are your feelings on Tribe? If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. What yeah, do you think? Yeah. You know, just, just give me some... We, 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 we met... He came to a White Stripes show uh, a long time ago and uh -huh. I thought, oh, wow, that was nice that he showed up. I, I wouldn't expect him to walk backstage, you know. I told him, well, I really like Tribe Called Quest and... Left my wallet in El Segundo. Yeah, I told him, and and um, he uh, it was nice. And then I just didn't see him again for a while. And then we met again at um, Adam Yao's funeral. He uh, spoke at that. And when I talked to him again, then I started to realize, oh wow, this guy really loves music and knows a lot about music. And that spurred on some more conversations. And then years later, he called me over. Um, hey, we're doing some things on this Tribe Called Quest record. Mm -hmm. 
you should stop by. And I stopped by and, <laughs> you know, the room was, it was unbelievable. It was Andre 3000, yeah. D'Angelo, uh, De La Soul. We were all in this room together, Chris Rock, yeah. Dave Chappelle. Y'all could have redid We Are The World. Oh, my God, man. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. And um, the inspiration and the talks that we had that came out of this meetup or whatever it was, um, was so inspiring. I remember so much of it. And it, it was just like, I couldn't believe the things that people were saying. You know, it was so relatable. Like, wow. And there were people just like speaking from the heart about and I, I remember saying out loud, you know, it's, this is terrible that we don't talk to each other enough. Like, yes, all of us who are in the same business together. Um, it should happen more often. Absolutely. And especially you, you see so many old photos of you like, you know, yeah. Sinatra and, and, and whatever. And uh, it doesn't have to be a song at the end as much as yeah, us just, communicating just talking, more. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's, 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 it's just so few, few and far between. Like waving high in a hallway at a festival or something. Yes, yes, yes. Or you don't get to really talk, you know. So anyway, um, that got me even more inspired. And he, he asked me to play on a few of those tracks on that last Tribe album. Yes. And um, that was an honor. And we, get, we did a lot of recording around then. And for all, oh, we got another thing we could do. So he had sent a couple tracks during the pandemic to me and I, I to him and all that. And I said, you know, um, we might not be able to get to this other stuff because I'm finishing this album now. But do you think we could ch- check out this track called Heidi Ho? Because I have this yeah. Cab Calloway sample on here. And you might be inspired by it. And he sent something back like five minutes later, which wow. was really fast uh, um, com- compared to the other stuff we sent back and forth. So I thought, oh, he's inspired. So, so we sort of finished that one together. For two, two and a half years, we've been sitting at home. Mm-hmm. Now we get to go see Fear of the Dawn. Yes. We go get to see Run the Jewels 4. Yeah. We get a chance to go back to Madison Square Garden, care of Rage Against the Machine. They've had us, they have us as their openers. Great. Shouts yeah. out to those guys. Man, what does it feel like to be back? Oh, that's so nice. It's so wild because you did all this work and rehearsing and setting up what we're going to do and actually get out there and a couple songs in, there'll be a moment like, oh, that's right. I forgot about this. This is great. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I had that in Coachella first weekend. Oh, great. They had us right in the middle of the day, hot as ever. Yeah. Like, the crowd was coming in. By the time we were out, it was packed. But I didn't care. I was like, I really missed this. Like, mm. I'm someone's dad and husband, but I'm a rapper. Like, I mm-hmm. missed this. And then we played the following week. They were just like, okay, we made a mistake. You guys should have been playing at night. Mm-hmm. And they had us play Friday night, and I got a chance to bring all my kids on, on stage with me. Wow. And, my, and my wife and a puppy, too. And I really missed the energy exchange yeah. with the crowd. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so hearing that you've missed it, I know we're going to have some amazing shows yeah, this year, and I'm going to yeah. make sure I make one. Um, could I get you please to sign this for my man, Neil, before sure. we go, because he helps put this show together and he's amazing at it. Yeah, sure. And I just want to thank you for coming. Thank well, you thank for the you for opportunity for yeah, us to perform. Thank you for having us go through Third Man Records, which I suggest people, if you're in Nashville, please go. It's, mm. it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. To say it's museum-like would be an understatement. Mm. It, is, it is literally walking through through your mind and design. And, mm. and thank you just for being an absolute artist from, 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 from carpentry and upholstery to just music. You have inspired me. And thank you, likewise. Thank You've inspired you so me too. Thank absolutely. you. Lorenzo Lewis, thank you. Hey, yes, absolutely. Appreciate you for, for having me. For my show, Love and Respect. We look like a rap group. I know, but right? We're not going <laughs> But we're not going to rap. Yeah, today. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna first acknowledge someone who had on the show um, not long ago, named Miss Kim Jones. Yes, we talked yes. about mental health and awareness, and a f- very good friend of mine and a big supporter 
of mental health um, awareness in our community in particular, black community in particular, black men, yes. Charlemagne the God. Yes, um, yes. Both of those people have influenced my growth of perspective in terms of what's needed. And I wear my chain out today, which I usually don't, because my mother suffered from bipolarism and depression, mm -hmm. and um, which led, and we can talk about this a little later, led to a suicide attempt in front of me at, at 19 years old. And it was because, you know, no one knew what was really going yeah. on. And no one could see it coming. But your project, the Confess Project, um, was started in 2016 and you recently nationally headquartered here in Atlanta. What you do is you bring the training, the education, and the information yep. into barbershops yes. to help barbershops help people deal with mental health crises and just issues, period. Absolutely. A lot of time, men in particular, in particular black men, <laughs> are taught not to cry, mm -hmm. to shut emotions down, yep. to tough it out. We're not talking about depression, bipolarism. We don't talk about schizophrenia, we don't talk about the warning signs, and oftentimes the only confidant you have is the person who takes 30 to 40 minutes cutting your hair. Yep. Doesn't mean they could cure a problem, but they could be better help to lead you to organizations like yours. Absolutely. So you show up in these barbershops yep. now, <laughs> and you're telling people like me who own barbershops, yep. hey, I want to train you and your barbers to recognize these things, or, and I want to be, be a resource to you. And at first they're like, I don't want yeah, to. Because yeah. no one wants to talk to people about their health, much less mental health. It yes. gets to be a hard subject, especially when you don't have the answers. What do you do? I'm a barber. Convince me to talk to my customers, you know, about your organization or to talk to my customers about what to do when they feel weak or broken. Absolutely. So I, I'm just here to make my $40 a cut. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? You I know, know it. <laughs> and what, what do you say to me? Well, you know, the first thing that we really acknowledge is that, hey, we appreciate that you are patient, you know, you're going to be patronized, the customer is going to patronize your business by coming in and getting a grooming service. Uh -huh. And that we say that to continue this patronization of your business, that they got to be in a good state of mind. Yeah. That if they're not working, if they're not able and capable, they cannot continue to patronize you as a barber or someone to provide that service. But we also really lean on showing them that they can be better at active listening, you know, yeah. communication, how to reduce stigma. You know, sometimes a barber may be cutting somebody here and they're like, hey, I lost somebody in my family, right? You know, they going through a hard time, they lost their job. We're teaching them how to engage certain language and words that can help support their client long-term, get them the help that they need and yeah. they deserve. And then another thing that we do provide is bi-monthly, we do a support group called Focus Group for our barbers. So all the barbers who went through the training we allow them to come on a call twice a month because we recognize that they're bringing their own yeah. issues into the barbershop as well. Yeah. And that they're also taking on a lot of energy from clients. Yeah. So we're like, hey, we want to support you so you can continue to be a barber, provide for your family, and in return, help support your clients so that they can do the same. So my wife and I co-own the swag shops, the shave washing room shops. We have shop at Roosevelt Highway here in Atlanta. We have a shop on Edgewood. Um, and then we have a shop right in State Farm Arena where we, where we cheer hawks. Um, I want you in our shops. I want you to Absolutely. come. I want you to train us. How do we get involved in your program? What's the training like? How, do, how long does it take? And, 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 and when can we get started? Well, hey, I, I'm really excited about, you know, how we can provide this. You know, the first thing I believe is um, really making sure that the barbers are one, are able to, to commit to the training, you know, which I think is pretty straightforward. The training lasts about... A little bit over an hour and a half, right at an hour sometimes. Um, beyond, okay. yeah, so it's a pretty, I think, 
very easy and I like to say real hygienic way of talking about mental health because you know we're not going to train barbers to be you know experts after this and you know mental health experts they will be advocates and peer support yeah um, and, and beyond that they're joining a community of now over 1200 barbers in 40 plus cities and so beyond them becoming an advocate they now have other brothers sisters that are you know barber stylists that are, that are doing this work as well you're from Little Rock Arkansas yeah. we know that um, it's a it's a perilous journey out of places like Little Rock sometimes, but you are b beyond above average, brother. You are. I'm sitting up here. You know, I, don't let the Falcons have his yeah. shirt fool you. <laughs> Ain't nothing loser about you. Yeah, you know, yeah, ain't yeah. shot no hate on the Falcons, but you know, brother, you are winning. You are. You have a BA in human services, a master's in public administration, but you started your life. It's almost a miracle you dodged the the, the school to prison pipeline. You were born in New Jersey. Um, to a parent who were incarcerated. Your aunt was your legal guardian. She raised you in Little Rock, Arkansas. It could be argued what was worse, New Jersey or Arkansas. Oh, yeah. Your father died when you were 10. You had anxiety and were diagnosed with learning disabilities. You were placed in a juvenile facility for at-risk adolescents at 17. And you were jailed um, in a gang, jailed, high-speed police chase. How did all of that <laughs> fit into the, the, yeah. this, this wonderful human being that's the leader of a movement now? Tell me about that. Give me the yeah. long story, not the short yeah, one, too. Yeah, yeah, got you, got you. You know, I'm going to be honest. You know, um, when I really realized that... Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I was separated from my, my mother. You know, I, I did keep in contact with my mother and father over the years. Yeah. My aunt did a really good job of making sure that that happened. Um, but it was, I was really disconnected. You know, yeah. it was a sense of confidence, a sense of self-esteem. It was a sense of identity loss because I couldn't connect with my parents. Yeah. And I believe that's what a lot of young people are going through. If they're dealing with an incarcerated parent or a parent that may not be around, like they're dealing with these different feelings. And so that in itself really springboarded to, you know, becoming a part of a gang. Yeah, I wanted to be seen. I wanted I to be belong. feel belonged, you know, and that led me to committing a crime at 17. And that's what really took it for me. You know, the judge gave me a second chance and she said, hey, I don't want to ever see you back in my courtroom and what are you going to do different? And I said, I'm going to go to college. I admire your work. I appreciate it. Thank I, you. I admire your journey. I'm sitting here talking to a, 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 a man of, of high value in education in my community. I'm sitting here talking to someone who is as genius as the people who thought in Reebok, we need to market this Allen Iverson through barbershops. <laughs> You're actually thinking that we're going to market better health care, better, better mental health care through barbershops. I think it's a genius idea. I, I, think you, I think you had beyond the stroke of genius. I think you are genius. I'd like to appreciate you for your work. You. As the owner of Three Shops, I look forward to us being trained by you Absolutely. and us to taking that training like disciples into the world and spreading yeah. it to other places. And if ever needed, I am there and available, and we need you at the swag shop sooner than later. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I look forward to it. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> man, Renzo, I appreciate no, you. No, absolutely. So much. Thank you, man. Thank, Thank you. you. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? 
Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.